If you would join me today, turn your Bibles to the book of Mark, the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark, chapter number six. Please join me in your Bible. If you do not have a Bible, there should be one there in the pew that you can uh, avail yourself of today. And if you don't have a Bible, just go ahead and take that one home with you, unless it says Schofield Bible and it belongs to me. Uh, We do have those in the pews just in case you want a a good Bible. We'd like to welcome all who are joining us by way of live stream and radio, wherever you are around the world. And God bless you for listening and joining in today. Take your Bible now, if you would, please. We continue our study in the book of Mark. Uh, We're preaching through the book of Mark. Our subject is to be more like Jesus. That's the goal in all of our lives. I try to do that, but every once in a while, Gene keeps showing up. Is there anybody here like that? Now, Gene don't show up in your life, I'm sure of that. But I'll bet you, whatever your name is, that one keeps cropping up as you try to be more like Jesus every day. And if that one don't crop up, probably your wife or husband does. Or several kids, whatever it might be, all right? But it's so good. I just think, and I, I'm, I just want to thank all my kids and my grandkids for being here today. I am so, so blessed to have such ugly grandsons, except the one in the nursery. And, um, and uh, it's good to have your family in church. Uh, you, I tell you, we, we are losing the battle. Uh, it's... Uh, if you allow us, we'll help you raise your family. Amen. And I appreciate you helping me to raise mine. So I need uh, some money this next week to buy groceries. So I just feel different. <laughs> right. The Bible says in verse 1 of chapter 6 of the book of Mark. And he went out from thence. And came unto his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. Many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these sayings? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him? That even such mighty works are wrought by his hands. Is not this the carpenter? The son of Mary? The brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were all offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. And he could not. Could I please repeat that? He could not. There do many mighty works. Could not. Save they laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. 
And he marveled because of their unbelief and went around about the villages teaching. If you would please just spend just a moment turning your Bible back to the book of Matthew. I'd like for you to go there to Matthew chapter 13. And I want you to remember of whom we are speaking. We are speaking of the one that's mentioned in John chapter 1. Where it says all things were created by him. And not anything was made that was made. This is the same one that walked on the water. Heal the sick, raise the dead, still the storm, and invaded into the depths of death and claimed the victory when he told Lazarus, Come forth. This is the same one we're speaking of. Now, notice, if you would please, Matthew chapter 13 and verse 58. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Today in the text, Jesus goes home. He goes back to where he was raised. He goes back to where he worked in the carpenter's shop. He goes back to those he played with in his teens. He goes back to those who taught him the rabbinical law. He goes back to the same synagogue, little small building that he attended all of his life every Saturday and probably went back and sat in the same seat he had occupied all those many years. For 30 years, our Lord, had lived a perfect example of a human life there in Nazareth. Had not it been for our Lord, probably Nazareth would not even be known anywhere in the world. Nazareth is not mentioned one time in the Old Testament. Out of all the cities the historian Josephus mentioned, Nazareth is not even mentioned. But it was the hometown of Jesus. And he goes back home. Probably like going to a high school reunion. (laughs) Things change. How did she ever make the most beautiful in the class? (laughs) He was a fullback. (laughs) Jesus goes home. You would think that the city would be rejoicing that the water walker, the great physician, is coming home. You know in the home of Mary and Joseph, Jesus must have stuck out like a sore thumb. He's the only one who never sinned. He's the only one who rebuked mama and daddy's authority, never did. He's the only one who was hospitable. He was the only one that would never have to say, I'm sorry. 
Out of all the other kids, Jesus must have stood head and shoulders, if you please, above all. If you would look back just a few chapters to 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5 in the book of Mark, you would find that multitudes have followed him everywhere he goes. Throngs so absolutely huge that Jesus had to borrow a boat for his own safety and get out a little way from the shore and teach. But he goes home and nobody is following him but his disciples. A sad, sad day. Such a sad day was mentioned and lived in history here in America when the Vietnam soldiers came home. A sad day. A sad day when our champions come home to the ridicule and the sneers and the spitting What a sad, ugly day that is in the history of America. Our heroes are not welcomed home. Our heroes are are absolutely shunned. And what a sad, dark day in the history of America when our soldiers come home and does not receive a champion, a victor's uh, welcome. Such a sad day. Is our text. Jesus. Goes home. Last week. In our message. We talked. A little bit. But last week our message. Was found in chapter 5. And verse 34. Where Jesus said. Thy faith. Hath made thee whole. Today. Verse 6, he marveled because of their unbelief. Last week we talked about, and he said, be not afraid, only believe. This week he did not many mighty works because of their, what? Someone has said that familiarity breeds Contempt. Could it be possible, I ask you, we've just heard too much and too many sermons and too many songs about this guy called Jesus? And he's just become familiar to us. Kind of like our neighbor next door, we take them for granted. Kind of like mom and pop when we've got our own life to live and we just take for granted. Could it be possible that in America we have just become familiar with this man? You know, the carpenter. As Matthew would say, Joseph's son. He's not any longer the sovereign God of this universe. Why, his name is Jesus. We sing about him all the time. 
We must talk about him. But is he really God? He can't help us with our big problems, you know. We need five bucks to buy dinner. God can't do that. Well, he didn't do it yesterday. Guess I can go borrow it today. Have we become so familiar with this carpenter? You know Joseph's son. You know Mary's son. Uh, you, you know the rest of the kids in the family. Why? He ain't walking on water here. wonder why. wonder why he can't help our families. Must be his fault. sad day when we tie the hands of God. Sad day when we worship such a little God. Why he's no more than a carpenter. I grew up with him. I used to play kick the can with him. The only difference is he didn't cuss when he hurt his toe. You know, you, you, you know, the carpenter. Is this not the carpenter? Why is it we preach so much and have so little? Why is it we sing about a sovereign, almighty, all-sufficient God and we're so broke we need a cosigner to pay cash? Sad day. He said, preacher, I sure wish you was here. You'd get them today. How long has it been since it's been this silent in our church? Sad day. Wouldn't it be better to be a member of a church that could say, thy faith hath made thee whole. As to be a part of a group where he did not many mighty works. The Bible said he could not. It did not just say he did not. Matt Mark said he could not. Is it possible that we can tie the hands of God by our unbelief? God can, but God has limited himself. His presence and his power to the little article called faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Could not. Would you let that sink down just a little bit today? It said he could not do. Wow. Preacher, go ahead and preach. Let's get this over with. I don't like what's going on. Did you know that the devil's 
recognized him in chapter 5 when they said, Jesus, thou art the son of the most high God. But at home, they said, is not this the carpenter? Is there any difference today in Jesus, the son of the most high God, or maybe he's the carpenter's son? You know, the son of Joseph. You know, that guy we're familiar with, we hear preached about every week. You know, you know about that, the one we sing about, Brother Jim. Well, the one we read about every week. Well, we can read about him any time. Isn't it amazing that the devils recognized him? But when he went back home, Jesus said, listen, a prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, among his own kin, and in his own house. When he went home, there was no crowds. When he went home, there was no miracles. When he went home, there was no praise, no accolades, no honor. Why? One word. Unbelief. Unbelief. Well, I've been praying for months and it just seemed like, just seems like, God can't do this. I wonder why he can't do it. Is it because God is no longer God? Is it because God is no longer sovereign? Is it because God no longer walks in the universe and stands on the ledge of nothing and speaks with the voice of authority? Has God died? No. Our unbelief stops God from doing. Sad day. Sad day when we come to church empty and leave the same way. Sad day when we come to the house of God and we know we're wrong and we don't want to be wrong and we get up and leave wrong. Sad day. Our unbelief. I read and I watched and I've studied and I've meditated, I've prayed. And let me leave you just three things about the text. A sad day. I have a picture. I have a picture. And a picture is a, is a work of art. And, and if you notice in the text, verse 1 and 2, you see an art a permissiveness, permissive. Just, you know any pessimist? I looked at the dictionary and it said that a pessimist is one who sees and believes the bad. I read years ago that a pessimist is a fellow who feels bad when he feels good for fear he feels worse when he feels better. 
You say, you can't say that again. You're a pessimist. (laughs) I see an art of pessimism. When Jesus came back to town, they had heard of his fame. It had spread all over Galilee. Galilee's not a big place, 65 miles long, maybe 30 miles wide. And everywhere he'd gone, he had performed miracles. I'm I'm not talking about penny miracles. I'm talking about big deals, buddy. I mean, he got the clothes on the guy in the graveyard. He got the devil out of him. Can you say amen? And just not one devil, a legion of devils. And Jesus handled them single-handed, man. He did not need any help. He just handled it single-handed. And he run them off into a bunch of pigs. And they committed suicide. You'll get that after a while. But he goes home. And there's a spirit, a picture of pessimism everywhere he goes. You know, pessimist. It's a fellow who would say, if God created me a hog, I know that he'd turn the whole world into concrete before I could get my nose in it. You know any pessimists? You can look at them. You can see it all over their face. Wonder how long he's going to preach. Why did you even come? You got to worry about how long I preach. Bring your television. Turn it on right in front of you. And keep me informed of what the score is all along. But when Jesus came back home, there was a spirit, a picture of pessimism, a a created perception, if you please. I know who this is. Notice. Is not this the carpenter? Pessimist. I'm going to church today, but I got a need, but it won't take care of it down the church. You know, we hadn't spoken to each other in two or three days. But shoot, I better get a psychologist. God can't handle it. Hello, is anybody here? Well, I'm broke, but I know he said he didn't meet all my needs according to my riches. But <laughs> have I landed on something? I said, have I landed on something? So many miserable Christians. Uh, A perception, if you please. Notice a concocted rejection. Uh, After we perceive, we concoct in our own minds. Huh? Mm -hmm. I'm going to handle this job. I don't need God handling it. Why should I pray about this? I'm going to do it anyhow. 
I know I've got a problem, but uh, I'm kind of enjoying the problem. Uh, He went back home. The miracle worker. The divine God. The one who's going to die for their sins. He went back home. But notice, if you would please, the latter part of verse 3. And they were offended in him. Wow. Offended in him. I wonder what offended them. Was it his appearance? He had just got older. I wonder what offended him. Was it... uh, The car he was driving. Maybe the mule he was riding. They were offended at him. I wonder what offended them. I bet if you would turn to the book of Luke chapter 4, you could find out what offended them. In Luke chapter 4, Luke goes into a little bit more detail of what happened the day he went to the synagogue. Mark says he just went there and taught. Luke tells us what he taught. Could I ask you a question today? Have you ever been offended at God's word? Have you ever come to church and maybe preaching and you get offended? Have you ever left here just kind of like you'd like to put a contract out on me? (laughs) The Bible says in verse 16 of the book of Luke chapter 4, and he came to Nazareth. Where he had been brought up. Same text now. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Now, do you think how he stood up offended him? Do you think that the fact that he did stand up offended them? What do you think really offended those folks? What do you think maybe put the vicious attitude in their heart? And there was delivered unto him the book. The book. You know, the one you got in your lap. You know, they delivered unto him the book. Uh, See, he didn't tell him jokes, or he didn't welcome them by telling, hey, Joe, you remember when we were, hey, Leroy, you remember? Something has offended these folks. And he bought into the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon who? Me. Me. 
Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He to preach deliverance to the captives. And recovering the sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. And he gave it to the minister. And he sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. You are looking at the Messiah. I'm the me in Isaiah 61. I'm the one that's been promised since Genesis 3 and verse 15. I'm him. And they were offended. Because of that, I see an attitude of criticism. Can I read it for you? Verse 3 and 4. In your text in the book of Mark. Is not this the carpenter's son? He just told them, I'm the Messiah. I've proved it everywhere except right here. And they said, is not this the carpenter's son? Is this not the son of Mary? Is not the brothers of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended. And Jesus said to them, prophet is not without honor, but in his own country. An attitude of criticism. Have you ever heard anybody criticize Joshua Baptist Church? (laughs) You know how I feel about that? I'd hate to be a skunk that didn't have any stink. If I was a skunk, I'd want to be able to squirt stink out of both ends. And I can see everybody. Do you know that Wolfenbarger stinks out of both ends? I'd hate, like the devil, to be a chigger and not cause anybody to scratch. You know how I feel about that? I just think, ladies and gentlemen, if you'll listen to the questions in the text, and they'll all start with, is not, is not this the carpenter's son? Is not this Mary's son? Does not his brothers live here? I know his sisters. 
I dated one of them. Consider, if you would please, the familiarity of the folks at Nazareth. They can't get over him being the carpenter's son. He's God. He's the son of God. He's all powerful. He's all knowledgeable. He's, He's just God. And they can't get past their pessimism and their criticism. Why? Unbelief. You say, preacher, that is a bad crowd. Yeah, just like us. Just like us. Our homes fall apart. And God can't do anything about it. We ask God to change our mate. And he stays the same. You can say amen, I know. But you know, I never say sick him to a dog that's got a hold of my pant leg. You know the only one that's limiting God at your house? You are. We've become so familiar. Our excitement is gone. We've become so familiar. Our joy is gone. We've become so familiar. We don't believe that God can save our neighbor. And we become so familiar. It don't do any good to bring anybody to our church. Uh, because uh, They just leave the same way. We become so familiar that now we become pessimistic Amen. and critical. Right. And begin to criticize yep. Amen. instead of believe. Amen. What a sad day when Jesus went home. Amen. An art of pessimism, an attitude of skepticism, an act. You see, when we perceive and get in our mind a certain picture, it develops in us a certain attitude. I just believe God can do anything. Preacher, you ought not to do this. How many of you think voted for Moses at the Red Sea? I can see him now. Moses, we need to go back to Egypt. I can smell the leeks and the garlic. I miss the onions and meat down in Egypt. Moses, I'm with you, Moses. Not one person voted for Moses at the Red Sea. Two to three million folk all want to go back to Egypt. But Moses said, stand still. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And son, I know it wasn't real. But I saw Charlton Heston stand up and raise that rod. And that water began to recede. And that great big hole across there, I shouted. I know that ain't probably the way it happened. But bless God, that's about as good a way as I've ever seen. (laughs) 
Come on now, say amen. Uh, three million folk run up down the bank uh, with doubt and disbelief and uh, don't know and fear. And, and, and all of a sudden, one guy stood up and said, watch this. Don't you think it's about time somebody in your home stood up and said, watch this. Quit being a pessimist. Throw that attitude of criticism to the wind, bless your heart. Notice they, they, they become familiar. They become contemptible. And, and, and America today is offended at God. They kick prayer out of schools. They run the Bible out of schools. And now they got drug dogs in a hallway instead of the Ten Commandments. And, and no longer can we pray at our athletic activities, but we can all have a silent time to Allah. God is no longer welcome in America. And the way some Christians act, he's no longer welcome in their life. We have become so familiar that now living the way God wants us to live is contemptible to us. What a sad day. Notice attitudes always turn into action. I close with an act of skepticism. Verse 5, the Bible says, And he could not there do, no mighty works. Now, folk, we see God working all the time. We see people saved. We see baptisms taking place just about every service. We see numerical growth. Uh, We witness financial stability even through the worst economy that I can remember in in my short lifetime. You said, didn't you go through the depression? Would you shut your mouth? I'm not a hundred years old. I just look like it. But our church has witnessed the work and blessings of God, has it not? But oh, how I'd like to see some mighty works. You know, I, I like to see God be God. I'm not talking about the carpenter's son. I'm not talking about Joseph's son. I'm not talking about the girl's brothers. Would you like to see God be God? I'd like to see that before I die. Now, I don't know if I could stand it or not. (laughs) It might scare me probably more than likely, just scare me to death. Now, I can tell the way some of you folks looking, you've got so much faith that it wouldn't bother you at all. But I tell you, 
At my age, I'd like for God to bother me. I'd just like to quit coming to a familiar, ordinary service. I'd like to see a crowd that you don't have to whoop up. But before the guy here, God has already cheered him up. <laughs> I'd like to see... Uh, I'd like to see God change some of you even though you don't want to be changed. I've got some names. I jotted down right here. Uh, (laughs) One of them's laughing right now. But I'm speaking on Wednesday Sunday night on being dude with power from on high. And the Bible said, be ye filled. With the Spirit. You know the question that's been on my mind all week. Is for what? That's what I ask God. What do you want me to be filled. With the Holy Spirit for? Why do you want me. To be endued with power on high? What, what? Do you want me to walk on water. So people can see that God is God. Uh, Do you want me to heal people that medicine can do the same thing? Why do you want me to be endued with power from on high? I think we need to question why does God want us to be filled with himself? Does God want me to be filled for you? Uh, Is there some people that needs to be healed? That's why he wants to fill me or I need to be filled. Why do God, why does God want to do in my life that which I probably don't want done? I'm not too sure I want to take my hands off of me. I'm not too sure you want to take you off of you either. I want you to think about that for a while. An act of skepticism. I notice some terms. Notice, I'd like to say to you that the crowd when Jesus got back home were cold to him. They were cold. If I preach any longer, some of you are going to get that way. <laughs> they were cold. They were indifferent. And I just shot it down because of their unbelief. If you come to church... And your spirit is not red hot for Jesus. And your spirit is cold. And your experience is cold. It's because of your unbelief. They they were cold. They become critical. When we get a little backslid. We quit talking about Jesus and begin to talk about each other. 
Come on now. They were cold. They were critical. They were caustic. The book of Luke says they tried to kill him. The book of Luke said they tried to take him by force. The book of Luke said their own family and friends became cold, critical, and caustic. They tried to take him and he slipped out and they tried to get him and throw him off the cliff there that Nazareth is built on. Wow. What a sad day. I said, what a sad day. When the Savior is treated cold, critical, and caustic. They were cold. They were critical. I think those are two words that make up the word Baptist. Cold. Critical. I even know Christians that's very caustic. Try to hurt Pope. Now notice. And they were cheated. Notice verse 5. They were cheated. He could not do. No mighty works. Wow. I don't want to come to church and feel like I got cheated. I want to go to a church where the, the word of God is opened. The word of God is preached. The songs that are sung glorify God and not the singer. Huh? Where the preacher preaches for the glory of God and not his own escalation. I want to go to church and give God the opportunity to do something in this vile, ugly, sinful body. Can we say amen? Amen. Do you believe he can? I said, do you believe he can? Then why are you still like you are? Why am I still like I am? It's not God's fault. You say, I'm going, I want to go to heaven. All right. Can God take you there? Can he get you ready? Can he forgive your sins? Can he write your name in the Lamb's book of life? Can he keep you saved? Where's your smile? Where's your shout? Where's your praise God? Where's your hallelujah? Oh, you just become too familiar with that junk. You hear it every week. I'll not tell you who it is. But I got a little girl. So very precious to me. Last week, her mommy showed her how to be saved. She went to school, and I hope the story is correct, but she went to school, and she spent the day at school. She goes home, and Mommy says, how was your day at work? How was your day at school? Great. Did you tell anybody what happened to you last night? This little, little girl 
said, oh, yes, I told my friend I got saved. I said, well, what happened? She said, well, my friend said, I would like to be saved. And I showed her how to be saved. You saved? Anybody down at the job know it? Any of the family members know it? Ah, he can't save that bunch. Why? He's just a carpenter. If he's got him, do anything he wants. Just depends on where you got him. I need to know that I was the one that had God's hands tied. Because of my unbelief. See, we, we've got all kinds of substitutes for God today. You know, we just, uh, we got seminars, we got retreats, we got Bible studies. Come, come on now. And, we, and we got, we've got all kinds of, uh, of support groups today that, that, you know, they talk about God and they mention God. But if God is God, why do we need to support group? Do you think that the 12 disciples were Jesus' support group? You know why we got support groups? Because God can't do it. God can't do it. Well, what I need is an accountability partner. Know what you need to do is just believe God. Just quit crippling God. Quit helping God. Get out of God's way and let God be God. That would help by as much as anything. But I'll just probably. Isn't it amazing? How much do you think maybe we lose by just maybe thinking God can't do it. A lady in a faded uh, gingham dress and a man in a homespun threadbare suit walked into the office and asked to see the president of Harvard University. The secretary looked at the couple in their tattered, tattered garments and their backwoods demeanor And said to the couple, he's not here and he'll not be here all day. And they said, we'll wait. The tattered hillbilly homespun couple sat there all day. Finally, the secretary felt so bad, although she just was repulsed at their appearance and their demeanor, she called the president of Harvard and said, Sir, there's a couple been waiting for hours. Could you just come out and meet them so we can get rid of them? And the president agreed. And the secretary took the couple to the president's office. She
sheep you slay. They shyly walked into the office. The president of Harvard stood to his feet and in a huff and strutted toward them like a fresh spun peacock. The lady said to the president, we had a son attending Harvard for one year. A terrible accident took him recently. And we would like to build a memorial here at Harvard for our son. And the president of the college felt kind of embarrassed and repulsed and said to them, what do you think this is, a graveyard? If we were to build a monument to everybody who's attended Harvard and died, why, this place would look like a cemetery. The lady said, no, we don't want to build a statue. We want to build a building. And Harvard president looked at the couple and said, ma'am, Harvard University houses millions of dollars, just $7 million in buildings. And the lady looked at her husband and said, is that all it costs to build a university? She turned to her husband and said, let us build a university. And Mr. and Mrs. Leland Stanford left and went to Paliato, California and started Stanford University. I wonder how much money the president of Harvard lost by rejecting that couple. I wonder what Nazareth lost by rejecting the carpenter's son. And I wonder what we here at Joshua Baptist Church is losing by rejecting such a wonderful Savior. What a sad day when the folks at Nazareth could only see the son of a carpenter. Our Father, today we thank you that Jesus is not just a carpenter. Thank you that Jesus built the carpenters.